It's Tuesday, the 22nd of October, 2019. This is Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, episode 124. A really fantastic episode this. We've got a great conversation with Raz Peleg. He's the sales director at Atasky. If that name sounds familiar, you'll remember that several weeks ago I did a brief podcast segment about Atasky. They are the Israel-based developers building forward-looking infrared kit for autonomous vehicle applications. But before we get started, you should know that this will be the last episode until, I guess, Friday the 8th of November, so not too long. But the reason for the break is because I'll be traveling. Specifically, I'll be in Munich. So, by the way, if you're in Munich and you'd like to meet up, obviously do reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Autonomous Hogue. But the reason I'm going to be there specifically is because my colleague, Martin Adler, whom you might remember from previous episodes on the podcast, so he and I have been invited to give a talk at Matrix. They are a software development company based in Munich. They work for the automotive OEMs and tier one suppliers uh, developing ECU software. Um, But we were invited by their CEO, Hassan Ibn Akram, to give a talk about autonomous vehicle safety and security with an angle also, my favorite, on autonomous vehicle law. So this is next Wednesday, the 30th of October at 7 p.m. Registration is free. So if you're in town and you'd like to attend, Definitely click the link, which I'll be sharing on my Twitter account at Autonomous Hogue. Um, would be really great to see you there. Don't be shy. Come on over and say hello. Right then, before we get started, just a quick friendly reminder. If you're a fan of this podcast, please don't forget to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue. Please leave five-star ratings and written reviews on Apple Podcasts and testimonials over at podcast.markhogue.com. And of course, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so now over at patreon.com slash Autonomous Hogue. Right, without further more to say then, let's dive in and get started. 30 minutes with Raz Peleg, the sales director at Atasky, begins now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So, Roz, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, thanks for having me and inviting me. And definitely- yeah, I'm a little little jealous here. I heard you guys are doing some pretty fun track testing out uh, somewhere in upstate New York. Uh, as a thoroughbred petrol head, I am uh, deeply envious. So I hope you guys have not been having too much fun. Uh, well, I I recommend anyone to be uh, healthy, but also wealthy in being able to be uh, a member of the Monticello race track uh, uh, riding fast uh, going to cars but actually we were promoting safety uh, and our sensor that's what we did well that sounds awesome well yeah look i can't wait to dive in and chat about it because uh so as you probably heard about a week or two ago i happened to do a segment on a previous episode about out sky so it's really great to connect now obviously but let's start first of all with a bit of your background kind of how you ended up at out sky and then really eager to dive in and learn as much as we can okay so uh, first of all, thank you for uh, putting me at the headlights as well. Uh, in my background, uh, I come uh, actually from a military service. Uh, I was in the Israeli Air Force. 
and when I entered um, business, uh, the first was uh, BMW Israel. And then somebody came and said, hey, there is this uh, startup called Mobileye, uh, which eventually became a $14 billion company bought by Intel. But at the time, I didn't know that. Mm. And they're looking for people for doing international uh, business uh, with them. So that was uh, 10 years ago. And I was uh, excited to be involved in uh, saving lives and promoting ADAS, what is called ADAS, Advanced Driver mm-hmm. Systems. I was doing that for 10 years. Uh, then uh, we started working also about uh, autonomous, more futuristic uh, programs. And then comes this event uh, of mobility in Israel, and I see Adaskai. And knowing what I have in my hand and seeing what Adaskai is able to do in all those corner cases where other technologies are a little bit challenged, I got excited. Never thinking that I will find myself working there one day. And then uh, when I thought for myself, and sorry for talking about myself too long, uh, maybe I want the dynamic of a startup and not just going to work in a corporate uh, others came back to my mind and I just saw uh, chose for the excitement of how I can again and even further uh, contribute to saving lives with the technology and here I am in other sky. Well, this is awesome. I mean, certainly being in Israel, I guess specifically in Tel Aviv, if I'm not mistaken. The company is actually positioned in the north of the country okay. uh, in some uh, high-tech uh, area closer to the Sea of Galilee, Haifa, but Israel all in all is like a, <laughs> a small place in, in, in the state. So it's not really an issue. It's one hour drive from Tel Aviv. Yeah, I mean, and you say that, but th- what I was getting at was that Israel has become really kind of the epicenter for all things autonomous driving tech, including and especially sensor related. I mean, it seems like every other day there's a new LiDAR company coming out of Israel, just to give one particular example of technology. Um so, okay, so let's let's dive in then to learn a bit about what Adaskai is all about. Let me just begin by saying, so so when I discovered you guys totally by chance, and I was sort of surprised by two things. One, how I had never heard of you before, given that two, what you're doing is, I think, almost unique or certainly very rare. And that surprised me because I, I, I am rather surprised that we haven't seen infrared really showcased as a central component to ADAS generally, let alone the bigger picture picture of autonomous vehicles generally. And so, yeah, this seems pretty obvious. Why haven't we seen it before? What are you guys doing that's so different? So um, uh, thank you for this question. And I really think that uh, you will be contributing to change that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not kidding. Let me, let me explain. Uh, thermal sensing is known for years. Yeah for defense and aviation, yet those were uh, very heavy-duty systems, uh, uh, expensive, low resolution, and Adaskai took its time and chose to take expertise of our engineers that were working for companies selling, uh, actually, for aviation and defense. And we were founded from day one for automotive grade for safety. No, it took us time uh, to perfect our sensor and the software that 
recognizes the relevant objects uh, from the picture that we create. Uh, but going back to the overall world, autonomous era is an important task because 1.3 million people are dying annually in the world by car crashes, whether they are pedestrians or drivers. And the only ones to be blamed are us, the drivers. So if one day, and it's not an if, it's just a when, we're taking out of the equations, 1.3 million people will live. So being part of it, I'm happy. Now, to demonstrate this idea, uh, cameras were there already, radars were there already, and the LiDAR hype came into place with their ability to show three-dimensional picture in the close surrounding of those little prototypes. And we should honor them for that. But if nobody thought or nobody noticed, they always showcased in nice weather uh, where it's comfortable for the news uh, to come. And when you ask them, what about rain? They say, ah, oh, yeah, we have an issue with uh, drops of rain. We, they create like a curtain. We don't see through them. Uh, not asking about price. So when you're going to mass production, uh, something which is much more cost-effective and capable in uh, answering corner cases, which will be relevant. I mean, there is winter in the world. Hello? Not in California. okay so uh thermal sensing was just uh not pushed by the industry and it's about time that uh the publication the public the regulator step in and don't leave this important future only at the uh main players uh out there and by the way the OEMs do wake up because every accident that unfortunately happens here and there um, shifts this important era uh, further, and they understand that the shift of liability from the driver to the manufacturer demands for them a hundred percent ability, which is not the case if you couple only camera, radar, and lidar. Yeah, of so course. Thermo- Mm-hmm. is getting in the picture and you have a task to accelerate that if you choose to do so and i hope you will yeah look that makes a lot of sense i, I totally get it i mean it's it, as i say it's pretty intuitive and i'm quite f- frankly surprised this hasn't really become more of a thing uh as i guess i discussed several times in the past i mean we've obviously seen consumer facing applications of forward-looking infrared generally I mean, in fact i can buy an add-on for my iphone which will do that uh prior models of mercedes and bmw have had sort of a gimmicky application of forward-looking infrared yeah. but that was really i think nothing more than a publicity stunt it didn't really do anything um so look a lot of the listeners base in fact i would say most of if not almost all of the listener base on this podcast are pretty deeply rooted in tech so why don't we kind of unpack a bit what you guys are doing fairly to, to a very you know fairly deep level so let me just start with this i mean my understanding is that what really is differentiating you guys correct me if i'm wrong just just based on what, what i've kind of tried to learn and read first of all two big things i guess besides the range i mean Number one, this is a totally passive system. So you guys aren't actually illuminating anything. And number two, um, 
you guys are doing actual object detection, which of course raises a whole nother set of questions. Like, for example, is this local? Is it cloud-based? If it's cloud-based, how about security and latency, this, that, the other? I would love to unpack all of that as much as possible in at least a couple of minutes. Okay, happily. So uh, let's start with the sensor. Uh, the sensor uh, has an uh, propriety ISP image sensing processor. Uh, it's a little chip. It's our patent. By the way, it's manufactured by ST Company, the same one that manufactures for Mobileye. It's uh, their mm. chip. And it has something that others don't have. One is perfection of the picture uh, to the highest resolution. Uh, and it's important. Sorry, how, how is perfection being defined? I, I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean, like, what do you mean by perfection? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> Perfect question. So the industry of uh, small-scale uh, uh, thermal sensing is using VGA oh. uh, uh, and not HD. VGA, which that's like what, 640 by 480, no? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yet, uh, what is the quality of the picture uh, mm. within those pixels differentiates from uh, one manufacturer to another Sure. And we are we are tested uh, and being found uh, to be the best. Uh, I cannot announce yet which OEMs declare that, but I'm happy with the results. Now, why is that important? It is important because the software layer, which uses those pixels to differentiate an object, like a living object, like a pedestrian, like an animal, as much as it will be fine, it will be able to detect at the longer range, the minimal pixels to understand alone that it's a pedestrian, for example. So this is one thing, uh, quality of picture. The second thing is sunburn correction. Uh, we are a heat seeker, uh, and the sun is, of course, a source of heat, which is, allows all this industry. And yet we are able uh, not to be uh, intimidated, I would say, and we exactly solve the sunset, sunrise, uh, glare uh, challenges that other modalities would have, if it's LiDAR or, or camera. Constant uh, operation. That's the third unique thing that we have. Uh, older uh, thermal sensors used to blink. They used to have a shutter because mm. the thermal detector absorbs heat uh, more and more and more and more and it used to get out of scale and mm. a reset with a shutter used to fix that but other guy uh, did not take an old technology and try to make it smaller for the automotive we were founded for automotive from day one so the designers and the engineers and the pattern that is there allows us to have a shutterless technology which means our system operates all the time we don't need to excuse a mother for running its child because we were busy resetting or closing the shutter for, for a fraction of a second. 
By the way, this allows us to have less mechanical parts, less malfunctions. And you mentioned the word passive. Uh, you can open this chapter later, but let me just remind both of us for this conversation. When you're talking passive, you're talking low uh, consumption of electricity. And when we're talking future mobility, we are talking electric mobility. So all the others that are transmitting are consuming a lot of uh, electricity, and it's an issue. Yep. Well, so so let me just drill down into something in particular. I'm just so curious about this might be a whole chapter in a physics textbook. But I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, you've got human body temperature, and suppose you're outdoors, daytime, middle of the day, and the exterior air temperature is identical to the human body. How are you differentiating between the body and the surrounding air temperature? Great. Californian, great question. (laughs) Uh, So uh, the fact is, and and it's a very important question, and thank you for asking. Yes, we are a thermal sensor. Yes, we identify uh, to a very fine differentiation of uh, temperature between uh, objects. And yet what happens if two objects have the identical temperature? we still identify between them. And this is because of emissivity. This is Mm -hmm. the different wavelength of heat that each substance radiates heat. So uh, if you have on the road markings, or if you have the grass on the side and the road, and they were all day at the same sun, practically having the same temperature, uh, we will still differentiate which allows, by the way, to give uh, for the autonomous era even the drivable path information. We recognize road from non-road, and this is very important information for for the autonomous era. So again, uh, we can definitely see uh, living objects at night. A cool night, you will get that maybe as as, uh, natural. But in hot Israel, hot California, we will do the same. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So, so let's for, talk then a bit about. Sorry, sorry, sorry for uh, cutting you, but look for emissivity. This is there. There is the answer. Yeah. No. No. It makes sense. Um, so okay. So let's talk then a bit about classification of objects. So yeah, super curious. So then, is this done locally or in the cloud or or what? I mean, and I guess maybe part of that question is, although perhaps the next question should be, you know, it seems to me then that your that that your technology is meant not to replace existing technology like LIDAR, not as an alternative, but perhaps as a supplement. Is that correct? Or might you see a time where this is, well, all that's needed? So we're not, uh, at this point, we're not claiming to replace anyone. Uh, We're honoring the contribution of every uh, technology for, for an important task of saving lives. I yeah, that makes sense. That's what I, I imagined. Think performance and price will state their uh, word when time comes. So I don't need to, to point out uh, differences in that sense. Mm. Uh, so being complimentary is fine enough for me. And yep. if we start talking in the industry or public or regulator about quattro uh, and not about trio, and uh, thermal sensing will be part of it, uh, that's fine with me. By the way, just yesterday, uh, NHTSA uh, announced that uh, the five-star rating, safety rating, will be modified to enhance extra technology. So they didn't state thermal imaging, but I could imagine that they will find us contributing 
AAA just two weeks ago uh, uh, published a report uh, discussing pedestrian detection automatic braking offerings in the market today, stating that it is too much uh, uh, presented as working, whereas too many corner cases, it does not work. So yep. definitely there we could contrib- uh, contribute uh, uh, being fused uh, with the other technologies. And now referring to your question regarding the object uh, recognition or perception, no, it's not done in the cloud. It's done locally. We have a very strong algorithmic team with machine learning uh, uh, strategy. We are uh, understanding the best in the market, our own grayscale uh, picture. And you said correctly that in the past it was a gimmick. We are not intending to show it to the driver at all. Uh, We're working hard to get a, a very precise picture, but that is only to serve the software layer with the machine learning uh, to be able to understand and classify. We do best classification, better than LIDARs, better than radars. A radar is giving a good range, uh, good speed reading, but it doesn't really understand what it sees. Uh, Used with a modality or technology like ours is a good idea. So it's locally based. uh, It's three years of age, and we are now mature and I can state already that we have, uh, I cannot state by name, but we have first customers, uh, an American OEM with pickup trucks is going to offer the public uh, ADAS, not autonomous, still ADAS, improved abilities. And of course, all that we mentioned, if it's harsh weather, darkness, uh, blinding situation, etc. So locally... Yeah, could this... Well, could this theoretically be used to also see through, um, well, maybe it's a, well, perhaps it's a non-issue, but I don't know. Could, could this potentially be used to help uh, cars see through snow-covered roads, theoretically? Not theoretically, practically. Uh, yeah. And it's a good question. Uh, I like your questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, what we are using in the world today, uh, for example, lane keep assist or lane departure mm-hmm. warning, they need to see the lanes and, right. and the road edge as well marked. Whereas we, uh, if it's a couple of inches snow, we see through the snow and we understand the asphalt or the concrete from the grass. So we will be able uh, to give a warning once the OEM decides to use us. And we have, by the way... Uh, smaller OEMs with, with autonomous shuttles that exactly for that they're using us. So, yes, uh, unlike other uh, technologies which are like totally surprised, what do I do with a total white picture? It will not be white for us. It will be very detailed. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I have a question. So uh, another question. Um, so what about the, the, the use case where, so you've got a, and obviously I'm, I'm referring to obviously the tragic Uber accident several years ago. Um, you've got a plastic bag floating in the wind and say the, the, the camera vision or LIDAR or otherwise cannot tell whether it's a human or a plastic bag. I'm just curious, unless I'm missing something, it seems to me that even in the absence of any object recognition, the simple fact that your system is, well, thermal in nature, 
means that even in the absence of image recognition, you would recognize whether a thing is or is not a life form. I mean, a plastic bag is not going to be emitting heat the way a human is, right? So I guess that's not more of a statement than a question. I guess the question is, um, is it true that even in the event where for some reason you cannot properly classify objects, you can basically be more conservative, err on the side of caution. If it's got a heat signature, probably maybe it's alive or another car or something. So uh, let me answer like this. Uh, most uh, of the information today is uh, taken from cameras. Uh, right. Led by in the world by Mobileye, and we are, we should all honor them for that. Uh, if you have an advertisement on a bus with a person, uh, you might uh, your vehicle might hit the brake, uh, thinking. Yep. Uh, and we will, of course, if we're uncoupled uh, together as a redundant uh, technology or in the game, we will know that this is not a living object. Uh, let me answer uh, the same question in a different way. If a kid is between vehicles and only the upper part of his body is uh, seen, a camera would, a camera-based software would have difficulty to classify it as a as a pedestrian where mm -hmm. the fact that it's glowing heat on top of the hood of the vehicle allows right. us to use even just a fraction of its body shoulders head uh and classify it as a living object and get the proper warning so in urban scenarios of people between vehicles of course if i don't see at all uh the living object I cannot contribute, but for living object, which is the VRUs, the vulnerable road users, there's nobody nobody better than us to classify and to warn in time. Interesting. Got it. All right. So, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, again, since I said from the beginning, I mean, using thermal imaging for autonomous driving or even just fundamental ADAS makes perfectly intuitive sense, which again is why I was very surprised that we haven't seen this before, but it seems like you had over, overcome a lot of hurdles to get here. Maybe it was purely simply an engineering challenge and that, that would make a lot of sense. So kind of zooming out in the last, what, five minutes or so that we have here. So what do you see for the state of the industry as a whole? I mean, you've kind of alluded to the fact that we are moving in a direction of increased sets of standards and regulations. So I've often been a fan for quite some time, you know, as an attorney, if nothing else, I've just always believed that once we do move to at least level four autonomy and certainly level five, that we will affect, in fact, effectively need to have greater regulation. There need to be standards, guidelines, and so on. Obviously now on one end of the spectrum, we've got people like you who are trying to develop these um, supplemental systems to benefit all the existing sensors and technologies that we have. On the other side of the spectrum, we've got somebody like Elon, of course, who says, no, we just need camera vision. Then Chris Urmson comes along from Waymo and says, hey, you know, sure, maybe Elon is right 10, 20 years down the road. Maybe at its logical conclusion, computer vision is sufficient to do everything on its own. But until we get to that point, we need some technology today now. And that seems to be the approach that you guys are taking, right? I mean, it's important to get something on the road immediately that works, at least better than the status quo. And we'll, we'll, we'll worry about 10, 20 years down the future when we get there, yeah? So uh, allow me to, to elaborate a, a little bit a wider perspective of my uh, mm. experience with uh, ADAS and Mobileye uh, 10 years back. 
we had a marvelous co-piloting device and the public perceived it as nice to have. Most of the drivers in the world are men, men suffer from ego and uh, we're, we're the best, we don't need it. Luckily, the regulator uh, spoke its word uh, starting in Israel with all kinds of tax uh, 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 incentives and in the U.S. Uh, uh, stating uh, NCAP stars, etc. Without the regulator, uh, unfortunately, when people have several hundreds of dollars, they will upgrade their smartphone instead of putting something that can save lives of their family. So the regulator is important not only in the autonomous era, but uh, today or yesterday. So when NHTSA come and say, we're going to upgrade the five-star rating, this is exactly something important. And when your podcast goes out in the air, hopefully decision makers uh, will listen to it uh, on top of the industry and the public. Going back to the industry, I will say it very softly. Uh, not always their um, uh, agenda is ours, the public. Ten years back, uh, putting in a vehicle an anti-accident uh, system was not their number one goal, I will say very carefully. They don't mind selling front bumpers. This They earn from spare parts. Luckily today... The competition and the standards have brought them to speak safety. But I'll give you another example, uh, the insurance segment. If there are no accidents at all, this segment collapses. So we need to make sure. Well, doesn't it shift? It doesn't necessarily collapse, right? It's going to shift. It's going to move from the owner of the vehicle to the manufacturer. It's like the aviation industry, right? I mean, typically, of course, you go after the pilots first, and then if there's no uh, if there's no negligence found there, then you shift over the inspection to the to the aviation, you know, the, the aircraft manufacturer, even the fuel provider and so on. Right? Yeah, you're right. So in, in that sense, uh, I, in fact, maybe they'll make it'll make, maybe make the insurance industry even bigger, <laughs> bigger pockets. Uh, shifting to the OEMs could be. Uh, yeah, I, I brought them into the conversation, but it was just uh, as, as a metaphor. So uh, sure. we should not leave... Uh, as as hard as they work, the industry, the OEMs, and we should respect them for that. Uh, we should not leave uh, the standards in their hands only. We should educate them. We should demand. We should regulate. Uh, and that's what we're doing here in the in my visit in the U.S. Your podcast, uh, any other publication. Hmm. Hopefully, the snowball effect from the first uh, OEM and further. Well, you know, this is pretty interesting. I mean, one of the resounding themes I've heard you say is about education. And indeed, I would say educating the public even more so than the regulators of the OEMs. I think it's the public also who really have to start to demand this stuff more. So to that end, and we can discuss this more offline if you'd like, there's a really great organization based in Washington, D.C. called PAVE. It's the Pathway to Autonomous Vehicle Education. It's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It might be something for you guys to look at just because their whole purpose is indeed to educate the public. And this... Um, ties in pretty neatly with an experience, you know, something I learned just two days ago at an event here in Silicon Valley, uh, Silicon Valley reinvents the wheel where there was this really mind blowing presentation, which demonstrated quantitatively 
that one of the biggest issues is that for one of the first times with any new technology, it's not sufficient anymore simply to demonstrate how you can um, eliminate customer pain points. Turns out that's not sufficient. Now you have to also demonstrate the very obvious plus points, like not only does it make, you know, eliminate these problems, but hey, this is all the great things that it does for you, right? It's the, the phenomenon is demonstrated by people who say, you know, if they've owned an electric car, they're very likely to buy one again. People who've never owned an electric car, they, they don't necessarily have an incentive to get one. So to the point of education, I agree completely. Um, I guess my last quick comment then is when and where can I, you know, get a demo of your tech? Because I am genuinely curious, especially uh, to see how it operates in the daytime. So I would invite you for the CES. Uh, we're going to have there uh, our uh, technology demonstrated uh, on vehicles uh, for test drives. Uh, and I think that's the, the closest in the U.S. Otherwise, you're invited to Israel. Uh, there's many reasons to come to Israel. That's one of them. I already have quite a few to get out there, so I'm very much eager to take that offer when I can. So that would be fantastic. Well, look, Roz, thank you so much. This has been really awesome. Uh, really appreciate uh, you guys reaching out uh, to connect. So really fantastic conversation. Thanks very much, and take care. You're welcome. Drive safely. Yep, bye-bye. All right, well, that's a wrap for today. But before you go, if I could please just have your attention for another minute or so. You know, one of the great things about doing this podcast is that it's enabled me to connect with so many amazing, brilliant people all over the world. But even more incredible still is that I've had other people reach out to me saying, hey, Mark, thanks to your podcast, we've met so-and-so. And and so this kind of got me thinking, and I thought, gosh, you know, if there's any chance at all that my podcast can help bring together experts in the autonomous vehicle space from all over the world, well, that's an amazing thing. So look, if there's any, if there's ever a guest on this show to whom you'd like an introduction, or if there's anybody that you think I might know, just ask me. Just shoot me a note on LinkedIn. And look, if it makes sense, I'll be more than happy to do the intro for you. Anyway, uh, do keep an eye on my Twitter account, Autonomous Hug. I'm about to tweet out that registration link for next week's Autonomous Vehicle Safety and Security Meetup. If you're in town, if you'd like to attend, please do register. Again, it is free. It'd be really great to see you there. Just don't forget to walk on over and say hello. Until next time, that'll be Friday, the 8th of November. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.